You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. As you know, this has been uh, kind of, I guess, advertised or whatever, stated as Intern Sunday, and uh, it's been great. Joel was leading the first meeting, and Matt's going to lead the second meeting, and now we're going into Matt preaching on repentance, Joel preaching on faith in God, and then the second meeting, Matt will lead, and we have Caitlin and Christine, Caitlin preaching on water baptism, and Christine leading us into Holy Spirit baptism. So I, I, I am pumped for this morning, but I do want to say this as we bring these guys up to preach, that... And that's why I said that thing about Intern Sunday. The internship ended on Friday. So they, these are not interns preaching. These are not kids that we're like, oh, let's give, it a, let's give them a go and let's see what happens. These are young men and women that have got the call of God on their life, that we believe we've seen something in and recognized something in. And that's why they're up here this morning, right? So let's not listen to them with these ears. Oh, these are just a bunch of kids that have done an internship. These are young men and women with a call of God on their lives. We see an incredible future for them, and this is possibly one of the first baby steps. Come on up, Jolly. Come introduce your buddy to us. I'm not preaching yet, so you don't have to clap. <laughs> no, I'm joking. So we got my boy, Matthew Godfrey. <laughs> he's going to be bringing the word first, and then I'm going to fix what he's messed up afterwards. Thanks, bro. Appreciate I'm, just, I'm joking. I'm joking. But let's pray for him because this is a big deal, right? And, I, and I'm going to pray for myself too while I'm up here, if that's cool. <laughs> but thank you, Jesus. We, just, we thank you for this opportunity, God. We thank you that it is because of you and it is for you, Jesus. And so we just we want to give you every moment of it, God. We want to say that you can come and do whatever you want to do with us, God. I pray that you just speak mightily through Matt, God. May it not be, a demonst- may it not be in his own human wisdom or understanding or strength, God, but may it be a demonstration of the Spirit's power this morning, God. May, may we as an audience be transformed, God. May we, may we become more like you, Jesus Christ, through this time, and we give you all the glory. Have your way, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joel. Can you guys hear me fine? So, for those of you guys that don't know or haven't heard yet, my name is Matt, and it's, uh, my dad's Andrew Godfrey. He's an elder here. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for the opportunity to preach today. It's a huge blessing to be able to bring the Word of God this morning, um, and just an absolute blessing in this internship, and just being able to serve you guys and serve with the other interns and, and Terry and Sandy, and it's been so cool to be able to invest in RCC and get invested in. So I'm excited to share the Word of God with you guys today, right? So we've been preaching on the six Hebrew doctrines in this internship. And what I'd like to start with is, is absolutely always start with the Word of God, right? So Hebrews 6.1 is where the six Hebrew doctrines are, and that's what we're going to be specifically focusing on today. So Hebrews 6.1 says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. I'd like to stop there, guys. If you, if you notice, the start of this verse starts with therefore, and, and context is so crucial in the Bible. And so with this word, therefore, it means because of this. So in order to see this, because it's Hebrews 6, 1, it's the start of a chapter and the start of a verse. So in order to understand this 
this scripture, we have to actually go back into Hebrews 5. So I'd like to go back into Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14, the end of that that chapter. And it says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So these are the essentials. We see that these doctrines are actually helping us to distinguish good from evil, which is so crucial in our lives as followers of Jesus, right? So whether it's your first time hearing these doctrines or whether you've lived your lives already walking in the fruit of these doctrines, it's always something we can go back to, learn more about, and rely on more in our lives. So we can always lay a better foundation for these principles. This is a cornerstone. It's an absolute base for our relationship with Jesus and our faith in God. So let's go back into Hebrews 6.1. I'll start over again. It says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, that's number one, and of faith in God. Instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. So this morning, me and Joel are going to be talking about those first two, repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. So now we understand a little bit of the context about what these doctrines are. I'd like to actually just say, today I'm going to explain what repentance is, and I'm going to talk about what it is, what it means to walk in repentance and step forward into more that God has called us to. So, repentance, it begins with an eye-opening experience, usually God opens the door for us to actually have our eyes opened. It's an eye-opening experience that causes for us to analyze our actions and often leads to emotions. But those emotions have to be accompanied by a commitment to change for the better. They have to be accompanied by a change. Repentance is not just regret or remorse without a change in your actions. It's a 180-degree turn. Repentance is saying, actually, God, you've opened my eyes. I'm walking in sin. I'm, I'm not facing you. Let me turn around and face God. Let me have my eyes on Jesus and then step into more. Action has to come with repentance, right? We're facing God. It can't be 50-50. We can't be like, actually, I kind of like this sin I'm walking in. No, we have to 100% turn and face Jesus and walk away from the sin that we've been, we've been walking in. So the, the Greek word for the word repentance in Hebrews 6.1 is metanoin. And that word means a profound transformation in one's outlook. So this is a dramatic change. Transformation isn't just a little bit of change. It's absolute transformation of how you look at life, of your outlook on life. And based on what you see in life, it changes what you do in life, right? So... Repentance, it's not a head game, but a heart one. We can't, we, we, can't, we can't be like, actually, I'm walking in sin, but I'm going to stay in this sin. Who cares? We have to be like, I'm, I'm walking in sin. God has opened my eyes, and now it's going to switch to a heart game, and I'm going to live in my own decisions, in the own values that I've placed over my life. So I think the Bible gives the perfect context for true repentance, for walking in true repentance, and for the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. And that's with the prodigal son. So if you guys could turn with me to Luke 15, verse 17. And for those of you that don't know the story of the prodigal son, it talks about how this son asks his father for an an inheritance, for his money. And then this son takes this inheritance, goes to a foreign land, leaves his father's country, and squanders it. And then we get to this point in Luke 15, verse 17. So it says, 
When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I'd like to stop there. We see in verse 17 that eye-opening experience. When he came to his senses, God opened his eyes. And then in verse 18, it says he makes this decision. He actually, it's a, it's a head game right now, right? He's made this decision in his life to change, but has he acted on it yet? No. And I'd like to say that in this part, we see in Romans 2.4, it says that God's kindness is what leads us towards repentance. So we see that it's impossible for us to repent without God's kindness and without his grace and his mercy. And Psalms 80 verse 3 says, restore us, O God, and we shall be saved. So we see that it's not in our own strength that we can be, be living in repentance. It's through God's help and his kindness that we can live in repentance, right? So, verse 18, he makes a decision. And then if we carry on reading, I believe in verse 20, or verse 19, it says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of, like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Can we see that immediate, immediate change? He makes the decision, head game, and he's like, let's do this. Let's go. Let's start walking. Let's turn away from this sin and go back to my father's house. It's immediate. It's a, it's a heart game. So we see this sense of urgency in this. And he says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. Friends, that is the relationship we have with our father. That is such an incredible statement. It, it's actually saying, actually... The prodigal son was acting as religion often does, where it's like, oh, I have to do this, this, this to prove myself to you. But instead, this father's actually waiting. He's looking for a son, and who knows how long it's been, but he's looking for a son. He's saying, actually, I'm going to look on the horizon, and I'm going to wait for my son. Can I say that is the relationship we have with our heavenly father because of Jesus Christ? We all know Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, right? But he also died on the cross to break all religion, to, to die on the cross so that we can have this relationship where I actually say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in you, and I've, I'm coming here as your servant. But actually, he takes you in as a son of the house. We are all sons and daughters in this house, in the house of Jesus. Can I, can I say that? This action where he, he left the sin and turned, did that 180-degree turn, is, is this, this small thing where he was believing that he was walking in sin, and it takes one step, one letter to be taken out for him to be living in his new decisions, right? So it just takes one small thing, one change in your own plans, in your own life, and your values for you to be walking in repentance and to be facing God. So I believe that we can all agree that we have been the prodigal son at some point in our lives, right? We've all turned away from Jesus and stopped facing God at some point in our lives, right? It's time to come home, not as a servant, but as a son and a daughter in our father's house. Thanks to the redemption that was Jesus Christ. We have to be walking in continual repentance, friends. It's, it's not just, all right, my life is here. I'm facing away from God, and I'm going to turn to God, and then that's, not the, rest of, that's the rest of our lives. We're just good. It's not. Our lives, we're, we, we turn, and we have this big change in repentance where we turn, and then 
sometimes we stray off a little bit and we have to actually correct. And we have to be like, actually, Jesus, help me to continually stay on the path you've planned out for us. To continually be walking in your plans and your purposes and your life. Can I suggest this morning that oftentimes we walk in sin knowingly. We know we're walking in sin and yet we don't go to Jesus, get in his presence and say, God, help me with this. Have we asked God to open our eyes to the sin we've been walking away from our Father in? Have we turned away from the sin in our lives? And are we facing God in the path that he has planned out for us, guys? Are we walking in continual repentance in our lives? Or have we just ignored this fact that we're walking in sin and we need to face our Heavenly Father again and take action? Before I preach this to the interns, I actually had to ask myself some of these questions, you know, because you, you should live in what you preach. And so when I was asking myself these questions, I realized I had been walking in some addiction, some sin that was turning me away from Jesus. And I actually had to get in God's presence because it's impossible for me to do it myself. And I actually had to say, God, please help me. I am stuck in this and I need you to turn me back to you. And I need you to help me face your you, to help me to face your plans and your purposes in my life, right? Philippians 3.14 says, I can do everything or anything through Christ who strengthens me. And the only way that happens is by crying out to God, all right? So, I'm going to ask that question again. Have we asked our God to open our eyes to the sin we've been walking away from our Father in? Have we been covering our eyes and walking like this away from our Heavenly Father instead of actually saying, I am walking in sin, let me turn towards my Heavenly Father? And what happens is when I ask myself these questions, once God helped me get rid of this sin, I said, what's next, God? What do you want me walking in? And Mark 1.15 actually says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And I, I'm really, really excited to be able to welcome Joel up for this second, second part to this, is what comes after we repent? All right, Joel. Bring, bring the word of God, bro. How we doing? Good. I'm going to use this handheld today, I mean, for the sake of time, but also I'm just not on the level yet to where I'm allowed to use, use the headset. So I've got this one, but, but I hope that's cool with you guys. Hey, well done, Matt. Awesome. Honestly, awesome job. Can we give another round of applause for Matt while I just get set up? Hey, what a privilege, honestly. I just want to say, before I start... It is such a privilege to be here, such a privilege for you guys to be here. I, I, I want to thank you guys for being here. Thank you to the eldership team for this opportunity. It's always a pri- privilege, right, to, to preach the word of God. Even to read the word of God is a privilege, right? What a, what a privilege. Imagine if Jesus left us without the Bible. I mean, I don't know what I would do, but, but we, we can never take for granted the Bible. What a privilege. I also just want to say that, that we, we've preached these for six weeks, and we've had a time limit of ten minutes and I've yet to, to reach within that time limit yet. So I'm, I'm trusting for a miracle today. But, but, but I have faith in God that it's going to happen, right? And, and, and speaking of faith in God, that's what I'm going to be talking about. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? That, that that's what we're going to be speaking on. So, so Matt, as he did an amazing job. I don't have to correct anything. <laughs> well done, bro. But, but as, he, as he spoke about, he finished off with, with Mark 1.15, right? Which says, repent and believe. 
And that's the next step. Matt's, Matt's been talking about how, how this, this journey and this, this step, this act of repentance, right, is a physical act, right? It requires action. It's a physical 180-degree turn, right? It's turning away from my sin, away from my old life, and it's choosing to take up this life of Christ, right? And I want to say, yes, we can turn from our sin and face God. We can face towards Jesus, but that's not enough, right? The next step is to start walking towards Jesus, to start walking in line and in the plans and purposes of God, right? And that's what faith is. That's what faith in God is. It's that, it's that next step that actually more than just me turning away and there being a chance of me coming back, I'm now going to begin to walk towards Jesus, right? And, and, and the further we are, the more we, you guys preach about this a lot, but the more we distance ourselves away from our sin, the less, the less likely we're going to go back to it, you know? So, so we, have to, we have to turn from to be able to walk in, but we have to be able to walk in, right? We've got to be able to walk fo- forward. Faith is an action too, right? So we've been reading uh, Hebrews 6.1. So it says, I'm just going to read it quickly. It says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. And I want to stop there and just remind us that, that actually... God's purpose for every single follower of Jesus is to mature, right? And that word mature, doesn't, it doesn't mean to act, act more wise or act older than you are, right? That, 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 that's a spiritual maturity. And what a spiritual maturity is, is to be more like Christ. So when Jesus and when God tells us that we need to be mature, what that means is we need to be more like Christ. We need to be more like Jesus. Who knows that when we have a question, we're, su- we're supposed to go to the Bible, right? Over everything, before anything, we go to the Word of God when we have a question about anything. So when we have a question about faith and what is faith, we got to read the Word, right? And read what, what, what the Word says about faith. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of, like, topics in the Bible or topics about life that are, like, hard to find in Scripture and take a few Scriptures to read and to find. Luckily, or thank Jesus for this one, that there is a Scripture in the Bible that starts out by saying faith is, and it explains it, right? It's like a diction, that's like a dictionary almost. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the the evidence of things not yet seen, right? And I want to say, just as Matt was saying, that that repentance is a heart game, or or, yeah, is a heart game, so is faith in God, right? Faith faith requires nothing from our heads. If If faith and trust is in our heads at any moment, it can be gone, right? Depending on circumstances, depending on whatever we go through. But when, when faith is in our heart, when faith is in our spirit, Andrew's been preaching recently on, you know, that, that, that being baptized is, is living by the spirit, right? When, when, when we are living by the spirit, faith is in our spirits, right? So when faith is in our spirit, it, it, we can't, there's no, there's no, our faith is changing, right? Our faith, it's a foundation, when it's in our hearts, when it's in our spirit, when it's in our soul, it's a foundation. It's anchored and secure. And no matter what, no matter what I face, my faith in Jesus is unshakable and it's not going to change. It's got to be, it's got to be in our hearts. I love, I love what, what Paul says. He says that we're, we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. And that's an amazing thing because if you think about it, that means that faith requires nothing from any of our five physical senses, right? And what that means is to, no matter what circumstance I go through, I can't, I can't walk in sight. I've got to walk by faith, right? Faith, it requires nothing from our physical senses, and it needs to be in every single part of our lives, right? If you think about it, we've been called 
to live by the Spirit each and every day. And I want to tell you that that is a massive faith decision because, in all honesty, we can't see the Spirit, right? We can't see the Spirit, but, but we've been called to walk, we've been called to live by the Spirit. And that, 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 when we're living by the Spirit, that means that every decision I make every day is a spiritual decision, right? That, that, needs, that needs to be, uh, by the Spirit, shown the answer to where I should go. And the Spirit needs to tell me where I should go. And I want to tell you, that requires faith. Nothing from our physical senses. If faith, if faith is, is dependent on our physical senses, I want to tell you, your faith is, is shakable. Because our faith can have nothing to do what, what we, about what we see in front of us. Faith, it's not what we see in front of us, but it's, it's believing for what is way beyond us. Right? The Bible, I mean the Bible, there's stories all across the Bible that talk about faith, right? And one of my favorite is, is in Daniel 3. And, and it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do we all know that story, right? I mean, what happens is, is, is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the city, are in Babylon, right? And, and King Nebuchadnezzar, who's a bad dude, he's like, he sets out this statue, and he's like, every time the music plays, you need to bow down and worship this idol, this statue that I've created of myself, right? And so there's three, three godly men, good men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they, they decide that they're not going to do this, right? And so the, what happens is the king finds out, and he's furious, and he calls them in, he calls them in, and he says, he says, like, is it true that, like, what you're doing is... Like you're not you're not bowing to the to the statue that I've created, and and they say yes it's true and he says I'll give you one more chance and if you if you break that chance then I'm going to throw you in the blazing furnace and this is their response I love their response here it says in Daniel three verse seventeen it says if we are thrown into the blazing furnace the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and He will deliver us from Your Majesty's hand and I want to say that is faith hundred percent but what he says in verse eighteen is even more faith. It says, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And I want to say that that's faith. So faith is not always knowing, but it's always believing, right? And that, that's where it comes down to. We don't walk by, we walk by faith and not by sight. We live every day with faith in God, knowing that actually my faith is beyond what I can see, right? We see in our own human understanding, but Jesus sees every step of the way. He sees way ahead. Right, so that's just a little bit about what faith is, right? So, so where are we called to put our faith in? And it says in that scripture we read in Hebrews 1, it says faith in God, right? And I want to say to you, I want to ask you, is your faith in Jesus? Honestly, is your faith in Jesus? Or have you, have you allowed yourself to, and I'm, I'm saying this to myself too, right? I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you, right? I'm preaching to myself also. But have we allowed ourselves to, to begin to walk by what we see instead of walking by faith? Have we, have we started to put our faith in other things and other people? Because in all honesty, it's much easier to do that because they're right in front of us, right? And we can put our faith in, in so many other things, but I want to tell you every single one of those things will fail you, right? I mean, you can put your faith in your family. I want to tell you at times they're going to fail you. You can put your faith in, in friends. At times, they're going to fail you. You can, you, can, you can put your faith in the Denver Broncos this season. I want to tell you, who knows that they've been a little bit of a failure. But, but I'm saying that as a Broncos fan, okay? So I'm saying I've been failed with you, okay? But we can put our, 
We can put our faith in so many things that are... The Broncos will be good again one day, trust me. I'm, I'm praying. But, but we can put our faith in so many other things, right? Even, even elders at church. And, and that's nothing to bag on the, bash on the elders at all, but, but we can put our faith in them. But let me tell you, if, you, if your faith is found in the elders, you're going to get let down and you're going to get hurt. And it, 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 we're supposed to be obviously submitted to our elders, which I am. <laughs> so don't think I'm not. But, but we can't have our full faith in them, right? It's got to be found in Jesus Christ. Reason, the reason why, Jesus, Jesus will never fail us. It says that in the Bible. It says, I will never fail you nor forsake you. And it also says this. It says, it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, right? All these other people, the Broncos are unchanging, or the Broncos are changing. Andrew is changing. Everything, all these other things change with time. Jesus remains the same. And I want to tell you, it's so much, it gives me so much more confidence to put my faith in not just something, but someone who is unchanging. And, and he, he's unchanging in all these things. He's, a, he's unchanging in his power. He's unchanging in his purpose. He's unchanging in his promise. And he's unchanging in his personality. Jesus never wakes up and says, I'm going to have a bad day today. And I'm going to, I'm going to take it out on you, right? He, he's never like that. That's why we put our faith in Jesus, because he's never going to let us down. It's impossible for him to let us down. Our faith needs to be found in Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you one more time, where is your faith? Is it in Jesus? Is your faith in what you can't see, because that's what faith is, or is it in something that you can see, some earthly thing that's going to let you down, right? It needs to be in Jesus Christ. You know, we, we, I don't think we can talk about, let's stand together if you guys don't mind. Let's all raise our hands. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the power of your resurrection, God. And because of that, we actually can begin to walk in repentance and we can begin to walk in faith in God. I thank you, Lord, that, that you are king over it all, Jesus. And yet you hold my heart, God. You hold everyone in this room's heart, Jesus. And, and, and I just pray, just where, where, there's, where we need to repent, God, I pray that we will do just that. I pray that, that we won't use your, that we won't take advantage of your grace, God, but it'll always be a safety net for us, Jesus. And I, I just pray that we will never be afraid to come back to you, Lord, because the reality is we will all fail at times. We will all fall short of the glory of God. And there, that's when that comes, repentance, God. And I just pray that we will continue to walk in faith. I just pray just a fresh sense of faith just just over everyone in this room, God. I pray that we will not be a people who, who live based off of what's in front of us, but we will be a people who live based off of what you've called us to and what is way beyond us, Lord. May we walk by faith and not by sight. May we not walk by what we see or what we hear, Lord, but by what you have done and what you have called us to and what you have promised over us, Jesus. We thank you for the promises that you've given us over our life. We put our full faith and full trust in you, King Jesus. We submit and surrender everything to you right now, Jesus. Just this constant submission to the King. And, and when we surrender, that's actually in, in the kingdom. When we surrender, that's where we find total victory, God. So we surrender it all to you, Jesus. You're worthy of it all. We praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus.
Wow. Wasn't that incredible? <clears throat> Confidence and courage. Didn't you love those questions from both of them? Didn't some of them just hit you right in the heart? Confidence and courage. Clarity. And the thing that I love, just loaded with scripture. Well done, both of you. Hey, what an incredible job. Well done, well done, well done. So, I'm not preaching, don't worry. Um, I'm super, super excited for both of these girls. I've been able to develop a really close relationship and see their relationship with Jesus over these past three months. And so I'm very, very excited to ask Caitlin to come up and join me as she brings the word of God. All right. So... Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for this incredible woman of God, and we thank you for her relationship with you, God. We just thank you that she spent time with you in order to prepare the word for, that she has felt for everybody this morning. And we also just include Christine in this prayer, Lord, that you would just be with them in this time, Lord. And we thank you so much for the way they serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. One, two, one, two. Can everyone hear me? Ah! <laughs> Good morning, Redemption. I'm just going to scoot this over because I like to use my hands. Um, so this morning we do have a privilege to, to be here and to, and to praise God and, and preach his word, right? And I just felt this morning was, for, personally for me, I mean, I hope you guys felt it as well, but God's presence was really here. And I just felt that the, the freedom that he's given us is just so empowering and just gives you so much joy. And I just felt that was just, you know, praise God for that this morning. Um, so we are going through a series of, um, on the Hebrew doctrines. I don't know if you guys are aware of them. But uh, Matt and Joel kind of summed them up in the first service. So I'm just going to give you a little background to this. So if we go into Hebrews 6... Um, sorry, one second, you know, let me just get, let me get to that. All right. Sorry about that. Hebrews 6, 6, um, where it says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Um, on the doctrine of baptisms, of laying onto the hands and of resurrection of the dead, and of the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So this is, this is the series that we've been working on as interns. And uh, this morning we're just going to touch on the, we are touching on the first three. Um, repentance, faith in God, and now we're doing baptisms. Uh, so baptisms, if you look at that word, if you look in the scripture, it says the doctrine of baptism. So you see that it's plural. So the, today I'm going to talk about water baptism, and then Christine later on is going to talk about um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so um, this morning I just, I just felt God was just really moving, and just throughout these, these doctrines, like, like there's, a, there's a relating factor of, of relationship and without, these, without this relationship, these doctrines, these foundational truths, they mean nothing. It's, it becomes a religious practice, practice if it's not coming from a relationship that we want from God, right? And so that's what we need to be on fire for is our, our hunger for God. 
And um, so I just wanted to clear things up on what water baptism is and, like, why is it important and why, like, it's a, it's, it should be a big deal. Baptism, um, I know Andrew has, has kind of already, like, spoken on this before, but baptism, if you look into the Greek translation, baptizo, which means to be fully submerged. And for, for in, a, in our Christian, in a, a believer's baptism, like, that's, that's why we use water. We're being fully submerged we're being covered in the, in the blood of Christ. Um, and so baptism also is, is therefore, baptism, baptism is the outward seal or affirmation produced by repentance, right? The first, the first in Hebrew, in Hebrew 6 was repentance, right? And then we go into, um, you have to believe. So the, a baptism is for believers. Like, that, that we are eligible for, for baptism as believers, and so if we go into, um, actually, I just want to say the, the significance of baptism is dying to yourself. Because God died on the cross for us. You guys know this. He died on the cross, and we have freedom. And we're walking in the freedom. So he died on the cross so that we could, we could come alive, and we're made new in Christ. And it's, it's, baptism is that symbolic demonstration. It's, just, it's walking out our faith. And so if we go into Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. We've made a joke that if something doesn't fall out while I'm preaching, it's not, it's not real. <laughs> so Matthew, Matthew. Okay, it says, so we're talking about the Great Commission. And as much as, as baptism is a faith step, like it's something that God has commanded us to do. If we, if we go into, into Matthew um, 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe the things I have commanded. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there you see that... (laughs) He says, first he says, go and make disciples. So what does it mean to make a disciple? A disciple is a follower of, of Christ. So you've, you've repented, you've, you've recognized your sins, and then you believe. You have faith, and that's what Joel even um, was preaching on earlier, is that the faith, you have to have faith. Because without faith, it's dead, right? <laughs> and so once, you've, once you become a disciple, then you're eligible to be baptized, and we're, we're all eligible to do that, right? And so we need to be stirred, and we should, want, we should have that heart and that hunger and that choice. Baptism is a choice. If we go into 1 Peter 3, actually, yeah, you guys can go into that. I don't have it up there. But 1 Peter 3, 18, um, it talks about Noah in the Bible, where he... Where in the Old Testament, that was a correspondence to um, our New Testament baptism. So I'm going to read it real quick and kind of just discuss it. So, for Christ also suffered once for the sins and the just for the unjust, that he might, he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by spirit. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient. 
when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Do you hear that? Through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of God, oh no, of a good conscience, right? And says, Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is the right hand of God, angels and authorities and the powers have been made subject to him. So it's amazing to, to, to read that and really soak it in. <laughs> Noah, you're not saved. You're not saved by water. But you're sa- but that um, you're saved through water, right? And so we're not saved in, we're not saved by water, but if we go into um, what's it? Ephesians 2:8, it says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith." So that is our foundation. That's where we stand. That's where we know, like when we, be, when we are faced with God in our, in our judgment time, we have faith knowing that we're saved through faith by grace. Not because, not because of water, but because of grace. But water baptism is, is, that, is that step, is that seal to confirming our faith. And, like, unfortunately, like, as Christians, like, we've become, we've become lazy. <laughs> we, there's, we, have, we have been become lazy, but um, I just wanted to share the story of when I went to, when I was in, on my travels, I went to this, into the Middle East, where, in Doha, Qatar, and it's a Muslim, it's a Muslim nation, and for them, it's Christianity and baptism is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And, like, for us, it's like, yes, we're going to get baptized, but some, some of us, I don't know, just may not make it much of a big deal, but it is. Like, in, in, the, in the church that I visited, like, it was crazy to see the way that they, they lived, the way that they had to live in order to, to be Christians. They had, they had the, the Qatarians and the people who, who lived there watching them like eagles and, making sh- and like watching them for every step that they did. And if they messed up, they were gone, right? And that's, that's scary. That's, that's fearful. Who would, who would want to step into that Christian faith there? But... People did it all the time there because they wanted, they were hungry. They were hungry for the Lord. And that's what we need. Are we being obedient and not being fearful in the things of the earthly things, but being fear of not being in the presence of the Lord? So are we going to be obedient and are we going to step into the things because we want him? Because we want him and because he wants us, right? So we need to be stirred and we need to be obedient in the things of God. Because in the obedience of God comes, comes joy. It comes grace. It comes peace. It comes freedom. The freedom that we've, we've had all, we have. The freedom you're feeling this morning. You know, those, those chains are broken. Isn't that exciting? God's good. He's so good. And so I just, I just wanted to leave you with that question as, what are you doing like, personally, for yourself, you can ask, ask yourself this question. Are you being obedient? Not just because God commands us, but because you want to. Because your heart is hungry for him, and you want to know him more. You want less of yourself and more of him. So I just wanted to leave you that with this morning. And 
on the topic of wanting more of him, we have Christine coming up for <laughs> baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. While they're figuring out their mic stuff, I just actually wanted to say, like, first of all, how, is, how incredible is it just because honestly, when the word of God is, is spoken, that's all we need, really. All we need is the word. All we need is God's presence to show up. And, and has he not shown up this morning? Has he not been so incredible as these girls have been faithful? I'd also like to say, like, through this internship, like, it's just been so cool to be able to grow with each of these, these people. And, I mean, these girls have been, it's been incredible because as we've walked through this internship, I've actually seen them step into more, seen them walk in more of the things of Jesus, and see them actually just become like have this confidence and this boldness in the name of Jesus. And so as Christine starts preaching, like just like feel the Lord just actually because they are preaching boldly in the name of Christ. They are saying actually God first over me, like death to me and, and, and life is Christ. Let's hear the word of God. So thank you, Jesus, for Christine. And, and just thank you for the way that she serves you and loves you, God. And we just pray that your name would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello. Oh, hello. Good morning. There it is. <laughs> How's everyone doing? <laughs> it's an absolute privilege to be here this morning, and it's a privilege to be speaking on God's Word today, and I'm so excited. So this morning, we had Matt kick us off on repentance, and then Joel kicked us off on faith, and then, today, and then we had Caitlin, who just now laid the doctrine of baptisms today, and I'm going to land with the Holy Spirit baptisms. So... Two weeks ago, we had Andrew share on the foundations of the Holy Spirit. Um, he spoke, all, he laid the foundations of them, and then, he, and then just last week, he spoke on the application of the Holy Spirit. And today, I'm going to come, I'm going to build off of that, and I'm going to speak about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill his purpose. So just before, oh, sorry, just before we dive into his word this morning, um, I just want to pray. Um, just as we dive into his word. So, Heavenly Father, just as we dive into your word this morning, God, I just pray that you open up our eyes, open up our ears, and open up our hearts, God, that we are just stirred for you, God, and when we read your word, God, that it just fills us, and that we just bring glory and praises to your name. Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, if I could just have you guys open your Bibles to Acts 2, um, and this... You've probably heard it um, last week with the Holy Spirit coming to, to Pentecost. And it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then this is where I just want to emphasize, all of them filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And that's just the emphasis is the Spirit enables us. And that's exactly what it does. They were sitting and the Holy Spirit came upon them and it filled them and it stirred them to where they were able to speak in other tongues. If you continue down, it says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one had heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? <laughs> so among those lines, it's saying, how? This is, there's no way of human knowledge that these 
that these apostles here were able to just speak multiple different languages in that moment. But it was because of the divine and enabling power of the Holy Spirit. That was how it was done, through the power of the Holy Spirit. <sighs> Andrew said this um, Andrew said this last week. It says, we are aiming for a transformation through the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what it is. With the enabling power of the Spirit, we are able to be transformed and bring transformation. So in Ephesians 1.11, it says, oh, whoops. Hold on. Okay. So Ephesians 1.11, it says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And that alone is so powerful. Not only were we predestined, but we were chosen. We, God looked at us. When we were formed in our mother's womb, uh, God looked at us and he saw that predestined plan for us to fulfill his purpose. He looked at us and said, I choose you. And these are the gifts that I'm going to manifest in you. And you're going to use it and you're going to fulfill my purpose. <laughs> Verse 12. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard this message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to praise of his glory. And that... That is such a powerful promise that we were, not only were we chosen, not only do we have a predestined will, but before we were, but in that moment, the moment we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we had a seal of the promised spirit in us. And we had that promise and that inheritance and it lives in us. The second we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, up until the day that Jesus comes down and we are joined with him in heaven. <laughs> Okay, the most, <laughs> the most remarkable thing about that inheritance is that it will never fade away. That inheritance will never weaken. In 1 Peter verse 1, 4, it says, The spirit that dwells in us will never perish. It will never spoil, and it will never disappear. That spirit is alive, and it dwells in us, and it's in us forever. We were chosen with a predestined gift to fulfill his purpose through the gifts of the Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, not going to read, but um, it speaks about the gifts of the Spirit and how, you know, the different gifts that are given to us to manifest um, the Spirit. And it says, all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he de determines Meaning, he looks at every single one of us and he says, I have a gift for you. I have a gift for you. And you're going to use this gift. And you're going to use this gift and take it. And you're going to fulfill my purpose with it. We need, to, and we need to take that gift and walk in it by pressing in, by trusting his provision, and then seeing the power that comes from it. So number one, we need to press in. In order to operate in his power completely, we need to constantly be filled and constantly be led by the Spirit. And the best way to build your relationship and your intimacy with the Lord is to open the word of God. It's right here. This is, this is our gateway in, is to constantly be pressing into the Lord, wanting more of him, worshiping constantly, like soaking in prayer and in his presence. 
It said in Ephesians 6, 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. And we just have to take that and we have to, we have to just dive in and press in completely. It's not a one and done deal. It's an ongoing lifestyle that is led by Christ. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's a door to explore more through his gifts and through his blessings. And in order to receive that power, we need to continuously just keep pressing in. Number two, trust in his provision. Because we know Jesus and because of God's grace, we have complete provision. So we need to yield to the Holy Spirit and stop trying to take control. We need to let go. We need to let God take over and let God take over. Lastly, we need to press in. We need to trust in this. Lastly, we need to press in, trust in this provision, and then we will see the power that's revealed in that. Um, The power of the Spirit was manifested among all believers, meaning it wasn't just pastors, it wasn't just deacons, it wasn't just elders that had the power of the Spirit in them, but it was every single person that declared the name Lord Jesus Christ and that declared him as Lord and Savior of their life. They have this power that manifests in them. Um, Acts 1 verse 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He, he gives us power. And through his spirit, we receive full and complete power. His power leads us, equips us, and empowers us. Well done, hey? Was that, what, didn't they do incredibly well? Yes. Clarity, clarity and courage and conviction. And I just loved the questions that they asked. They just brought it back down to the individual. What are you going to do with this stuff? Well done, well done, well done. I just want to say this quietly, but don't tell anybody. I think I just found my retirement plan. (laughs) Well done, all four of you. Matt and Joel for the first meeting. Caitlin and Christine for the second meeting. Well done, you guys. Have a great week.